Today's episode is sponsored by Feather. Feather provides digital marketing tools and strategies for nonprofits of all shapes and sizes, including the Humane Society of North Central Florida. Stick around for the break to hear how Feather powered their $300 digital ad campaign that raised nearly $6,000 in just one day. Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Becky, you are beaming. We're so excited. I'm so happy. You know, my favorite days on the podcast are when we get to bring just a progressive, heart-wired, amazing mission story to our community. And today I am just so geeked out that we're going to be talking about the power of food and giving dignity to people around the table. And I, and I, I have to preface this by saying I'm Italian and (laughs) food is such a huge component of our culture and the gathering of family and the gather. And I mean, the cousins and the, and then what it does to bring community together is so impactful. And we've even referenced this podcast as mom's kitchen table. And because we want it to be a safe place where you can come and have, you know, heartwired conversations and you can have honest conversations where you, where you feel safe. And we're actually meeting somebody who built a nonprofit with all of those ideals in place. So it is my great pleasure to introduce Maggie Kane to our community today. We got her a name from Jess Ekstrom, who is on our Ungettable Get list. And she was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And she said, man, you need to know this nonprofit and what they're doing because Maggie came in. She's the founder and an executive director of A Place at the Table. And it's Raleigh, North Carolina's first pay-what-you-can nonprofit cafe. And I think the quote that I love so much, Maggie, is A Place at the Table provides community and good food for all regardless of means. And so Maggie uh, has just a great story. I can't wait for you to go into it about how you saw the need in a soup kitchens and how it was missing kind of the dignity baked into it. And so in February 2015, she started this incredible nonprofit organization and they opened in January 2018. The table has served thousands of people in Raleigh with a dignified and affordable meal together. And we love that Maggie has this heart to serve, this desire to always be inclusive in what she wants to do and a passion for loving people. Does she sound like she's a do-gooder in our community? Because I think she is. Maggie, grab your incredible heart and your food. Get up here at this table and tell (laughs) us all about it. Yes. I wish we were all sitting together eating Pop-Tarts and biscuits. That would be, that would be wonderful. I mean, all right. So already I'm hungry, but I mean, you, you started this at a young age. I mean, there is an, you have an incredible Ted talk. I encourage everyone to watch it. We're going to drop it into the show notes because it really gives a sense of the flavor of this mighty nonprofit. But before we get into it, we want to get to know you. So we would love to hear just where you grew up, kind of any stories about your life that led you kind of to this moment where you are today? 
Yeah. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and just honored. I don't know how anyone follows in Jess Ekstrom's footsteps, but um, (laughs) just lucky to do it. I, um, she's just a wonderful human and I'm I'm fortunate to be here and fortunate she made the connection. So thank you. Um, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. So born and raised here, grew up here with my amazing mother who raised my sister and I, Um, I have a twin sister um, I have an older brother as well, but he was a little bit older and, and moved away at a at an earlier age. So my mom is is a saint and the best person I know. Um, so we we had a great childhood. Grew up in a youth group. We grew up volunteering a lot. So I really am fortunate that my mom taught me that and and showed that um, you know that that we are we are in on this earth to love people and serve people and 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 be a part of many different communities. I was actually made fun of a ton in high school. I hated high school. So I said, I am getting out of here. And I um, booked a ticket, found a scholarship, moved abroad, and lived with a host family, actually in Italy, Becky. This is serendipitous. It was incredible. The best eight months of my life. I still talk to my host family. They were they were amazing. So when I was in college, I got to know a lot of people and, and fell in love with the nonprofit world even more. I went to an event where someone was speaking. Um, they were speaking about a day shelter working with folks on the street. So a lot of folks experiencing homelessness and, and poverty. And I, I said, like, I gotta, I gotta get involved and I gotta get to know these folks and, and see what more, what more there is, get to know other communities. And, um, Graduated college and several of these folks who were experiencing homelessness came to my college graduation. And I said, this is the work I'm going to do for a long time. Okay, friends, we this this comes up a lot, but what happens in our life like so often just paves the path. Not that we're just, we have to live in the lanes that we were born in. I think your story, even you, you know, unpack different aspects of your story, but I love that you collect the pieces that really were meaningful to you and the people that you really wanted to see and serve deeply and like you put that all together and what a cool founding story. I want to go into that founding story of just when did you, when did you first get the idea to say a place at the table? I'm sure you had a, a distinct vision. What was that vision and how did you kind of take the first steps? Yeah, awesome. And to your point about putting the pieces together, I went to school. I didn't I did not say this. I went to school for international relations, Italian and business. So I still in this mind, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm moving. Like I'm going abroad. I'm moving back to Italy, Becky. But again, putting the pieces together and and realizing that there are a lot of other really cool things that I want to do too. I kind of created my own job for this day shelter. So a day shelter for anyone who doesn't know is not an evening shelter. So people don't sleep there. It's a place where people can come in on the day, have a place to be, get a cup of coffee, get out of the weather and just feel safe for a moment. We saw anywhere from 80 to 100 people coming in and again, getting off the streets most of these folks were experiencing homelessness. Um, and for me, to to our point earlier, food is my love language. And food, I think, is that tool that brings people together. It's that one thing that we all have in common. If I want to get to know someone, I go out for dinner, drinks, coffee. Um, and so I wanted to get to know some of these folks experiencing homelessness even more. And so I would take them, I, I, I would go and eat with them. So 
eating with folks experiencing homelessness means you you do eat at the soup kitchen and other various places like that. And so about a mile down the street, there was an awesome soup kitchen. It fed about 300 people. Um, it fed 300 people in an hour. So they do really, really great work. But we would walk down there. We'd stand in line. We'd get handed a plate when we got in of whatever they had made that day. And then we'd have to eat really quickly so someone else could come in and eat. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. It was, they do an incredible work. They're really fighting food insecurity. Um, but what I found was I didn't get to spend long with folks. I didn't get to, you know, we didn't get to sit for a, for a while. So I started taking people out for meals and I saw that they wanted to go to places um, like in North Carolina, we, and I think all across the East coast, we have a place called golden corral. So they have any, literally anything from salads to waffles, to steaks, um, to chocolate fountains. And so we would, we would go there and, and several folks wanted to go there often. And so I always asked, asked people, especially my friend, John, we went there about three times. And I said, John, why do you want to go to Golden Corral every single time? And my privilege that I grew up with, my privilege where I get to go eat wherever I want, um, you know, that told me that he wanted to go to Golden Corral and everyone wanted to go to Golden Corral because they had, because they could pile food on their plates and they could eat for hours and because they were really hungry, right? They had, they had to be hungry. Um, and that wasn't the case. My friend John said, no, that's not true at all, Maggie. It's, it's because we have choice here. When living in this extreme poverty, people make every choice for you from what you eat to where you sleep. Here we get to choose if we want a waffle or a steak, right? And then the second choice or the second, the second reason is because we feel seen here. Living out on the streets, living in this extreme poverty, people treat us as invisible. They Sometimes they even literally step over me um, and they just don't see me. Here, someone greets me at the door. They acknowledge me. They come around and see if, we need, if I need a refill. Um, I feel seen and heard here. I feel dignified here. And so that was that mic drop moment for me where I said, boom, like we got to do something about this. There's got to be a place where all people feel seen and heard and and dignified. Um, And so I started researching and I found the pay what you can system and found that pay what you can cafes existed across the country. Currently, there are 15 other pay what you can cafes that we know about. All are very different. Um, All work in the towns they're in. So some listeners may have a pay what you can restaurant in their town. It's not a franchise, um, but it works where you are and said, if other places can do this, then Raleigh can too. And the rest is history. Three and a half years later, we opened um, in downtown Raleigh. I just want to compliment you because, you know, one of the themes uh, that that we've been seeing a lot and we've identified as a trend in nonprofit right now is this concept of ethical storytelling and how do you embed dignity into every part of your mission. And it feels to me like you started with dignity in your story. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that I love the most about your TED talk, at least the story that's staying with me is how you used to go to soup kitchens with your mom and your sister and you would sit there and they would run through the line. And then after it was over as kind of a little treat, your mom would take you out to this Mexican restaurant and you would have chips and salsa and it would be this great little outing. And you noticed the dichotomy in that and those two experiences. And I love that you question the, why can't everybody have this chips and salsa? Why can't they come and sit down in an environment 
that doesn't make you feel otherized. And I just think about someone who is so overlooked all the time, as you've mentioned, having the ability to walk in and and experience something like this. I mean, what do you see when somebody walks in for the first time into your restaurant? What do you see? Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for seeing that too with me. I just, I, oh, it's wonderful. Um, I feel, first, I feel really lucky to do this work every day. We have an awesome team. We have an awesome organization that we couldn't do it without them. So I, I just feel so thankful every day that I get to do this work and that I get to see folks walk in the door and, and be amazed. We, we always have a door greeter, no matter, no matter what. That is a, that's a game changer. It, you know, you ask anyone on staff and say, what is Mag- Maggie's one thing? And they'll say, I think they'll say, she's pretty nice. She's a pretty good boss. But if we don't have a door greeter, she is going to go ham Um, because because and they know and they joke about it because they know that's the most important thing we do. When you walk in the door, no matter who you are, no matter if you are wearing you pulled up in a Porsche and are wearing a suit or you have a bag strapped to your back and you look like you were out in the weather all night. Right. You are going to get the exact same spiel and you are going to be greeted no matter what. Um, and, and explain the concept. Because if we don't do that, then we are not hitting that dignity piece. We are not hitting that inclusion and welcoming um, cafe that we, that inclusive and welcoming cafe that we are striving every day to be. So it's wonderful to just sit back and watch it happen and watch it work. Um, someone's working the door, right? Someone's at the door greeter and someone walks in and they've never been there before. Um, and they and they say, well, I'm hungry. You know, I, I love a meal, but I don't think I'm allowed to eat here. This seems too, this seems too nice. And right away, you'll have our, our paid staff, you know, work in the register and the door greeter, grab them and say, what would you like? You can get anything on, on the menu. Um, and it's just a really cool experience. Gosh. And then once they're in there, once they try the food, they're stuck. Like they're coming back the next day too. And then they become an even bigger part of our community and they start volunteering and they start feeling like it's their place um, almost immediately. And that's the goal is that no matter who you are, you get to take place in this experience in this community, whether you're dining there, whether you're volunteering, whether you're donating, um, you're, you're a part of it. So it's just cool to see that it really does the model really does work and those barriers are broken down those barriers that you said you know I saw that that was in my TED talk about it, at the soup kitchen serving there's an actual physical barrier between me yeah. and a kid that looked just like me um here there are no barriers you are welcome no matter what and and we will make sure you know that mm. Okay. I mean, I feel emotional hearing this and um, just kind of picturing the way you're just wrapping your arms around people when they come in the door. But I think what stuck out to me as like an entrepreneur mindset person, which obviously you are as well, that position that's so critical to you doesn't have like an ROI. You know, it doesn't have like a, a dollar ROI, but it's the most important thing there because it sets the entire tone for the entire experience and how you want to show up. It's so much your mission. And I think we get so hammered on what's the cost to do something. And you're like, no, this is actually everything. And we can't do our work if we don't have that. And it sticks out to me that you made that decision and what a cultural difference that makes for your team as you prioritize dignity and inclusion from the very second that someone walks in the door. So kudos to that. And I also want to say this whole hospitality mindset is very interesting to me how are we welcoming people into our homes? And I'm using air quotes with homes. Our missions are homes. You know, whether people are meeting us online, whether they're actually coming physically to the space, like 
in your organization, the warming process, the first entry point, the first impression leaves a lasting impression. And so I just want to compliment you on that as well. Bravo. Well, thank you. That's kind. I, I compliment my team and our, all of our volunteers for sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll say two quick things that, you know, you said, you know, you feel like this wrap around as soon as you walk in, you probably actually get wrapped around when you walk in, you <laughs> may get hugged. And then the second thing I'll say is, you know, to your point about that, that hospitality and that, you know, feeling like it's your home, we give cloth napkins for a reason. It's one of our most expensive weekly costs. A couple months in when we first opened, we had someone who hadn't eaten in a restaurant in a while and it was pretty obvious. And, and we handed her a cloth napkin and she was like, Oh, no, 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 no. I'll just take the to-go one. I'll take that. And we said, no, no, no. Here's the to-go napkin or the um, cloth napkin set that we roll. Um, and she goes, no, no, I can't. I can't have that. Like, I'm going to ruin the napkin. I'm not I'm not good enough for that. And and we said, no, of course you are. You are here at a place at the table. You are you are a part of our community. Everyone gets this here. Um, you are worthy. You are wonderful. You are loved. Right. And and she and she started crying and she said, I haven't had a cloth napkin since I was at my grandma's house at, when I was growing up as a kid. And it's the most, it's the most wonderful memory I have of, of childhood. And she just started crying. And, and that is why we do it. That's why we spend so much on, on cloth napkins and, and um, real, you know, real cutlery where you can actually like pick up something with, and your fork doesn't break in your salad because the, the small things matter. Yeah. I love micro moments. And I I just think the dignity in a cloth napkin is just genius. Hey friends, this episode is presented by Virtuous and they just happen to be one of our favorite companies. Let me tell you why. You know, we believe everyone matters and we've witnessed the greatest philanthropic movements happen when you see and activate donors at every level. And here's the thing. Virtuous created a fundraising platform to help you do just that. It's much more than a nonprofit CRM. Virtuous is committed to helping charities reimagine generosity through responsive fundraising, which is simply putting the donor at the center of fundraising, growing giving through personalized donor journeys, and by helping you respond to the needs of every individual. We love it because this approach builds trust and loyalty through personalized engagement. Sound like Virtuous may be a fit for your organization? Learn more today at virtuous.org or follow the link in our show notes. Hey friends, are you ready to take your digital engagement to the next level, but kind of feel stuck about where to start? Let us introduce you to Feather. Feather is an amazing tech startup focused on making nonprofit outreach more impactful by connecting you to your audience, wherever they are online. From fundraising to program awareness, they've got you covered. And rather than tell you, we just wanted to show you. For years, the Humane Society of North Central Florida has participated in a local online giving day called The Amazing Give. It's a competitive landscape for donations. So in 2021, the Humane Society knew they needed to stand out in order to maximize donations. For $300 in ad spend, their retargeting ads brought 119 visitors to their Amazing Give donation page and generated nearly $6,000 in donations in just one day. With Feather, a small amount of ad spend can go a long way. Learn more about their solutions for nonprofits at feather.co. That's feather without the last e.co. Now let's get back to this amazing conversation. 
Okay, I want you to talk about this pay model because I think it's so interesting. And I'm a Gen Xer, so of course I grew up loving Bon Jovi, and I love his Soul Kitchen. And I've been watching Soul Kitchen, you know, for a while. But I think your model is just like that on steroids. It's so great. And so, talk a little bit about this innovative pay what you can model and share why it's working so well. So when you walk in the door, we look and feel like a regular restaurant. You wouldn't, and as we've been describing, you wouldn't know any different. Um, you smell good food. You you see a, a just full menu. You like hear people laughing. It just feels good. Um, you get up to the register and it, you see a sign that says all prices are suggested. So people can choose to pay the price that's suggested. You can pay more and pay it forward for someone else. You can pay less. Um, some weeks are harder than others. So lots of people pay less every single day. Um, and we encourage that, or you can pay by volunteering. So lots of people volunteer every single day for their meal. We are a hand up versus a handout. So people aren't volunteering because we force them to, they really want to, they want to be a part of it. They want to, to spend time there. They want to, to be around people that, that again, treat them with that dignity and, and see them. So lots of people volunteer, um, but again, all prices are suggested. So if you were to order a turkey bacon avocado club sandwich or a full waffle, um, you, they'll give you that suggested price and you get to pick no matter, you know, how much you have in your pocket that day you can pay. So, I mean, this experience has had to be the, I know it's the next chapter of your life, but what has it taught you about just dignity of seeing this work and seeing the community wrap around your table has got to be so moving. What have you learned in that journey? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely the, it's been the hardest eight years of my life and probably will be. I'm like, everything else is going to be a cakewalk from here. Um, but it's been, it's been a, the most amazing eight years. Um, it, it's just taught me, well, first, um, to your earlier uh, point on dignity, we, every single day, we are questioning how dignified we are. So how can we, how can we keep being more dignified? So we will never stop asking that question. Every staff retreat we have, um, every time, you know, our leadership team meets, we are talking about what more can we do to make this more dignified. So we know we have like loads of places to go to make it more dignified. It has just taught me that we, you know, I always thought, yes, we're fighting food insecurity and we are, we're serving so many folks every day, a good, good meal, meal of choice. Um, but we're fighting community insecurity. It's this, it's this like, thing of, you know, if COVID says anything, it's that people are lonely and people need each other. People need community. So, so I think that's what this cafe has taught me that, uh, that everyone is really searching for a community, whether they admit it or not, they're searching for something to be a part of that is bigger than themselves. And at table they get to. So we don't ask questions of why you're volunteering, who you are, how much money you have in your pocket. Um, but we know that folks are there because they, they, they want a community to be a part of. Um, and so I think that's what it's taught me is that that community is is necessary in our lives. Life is better together when we are living life together and doing life together. I agree with you. I mean, some of uh, the story of the napkin at grandma's house. I mean, my some of my happiest memories in childhood are when my entire extended family is around the table. And I I so value that you have put this out into the world, Maggie. This is getting out. This is meeting people who have a different 
life experience, lived experience, people who have had hardship. I love the concept of gathering together. And thank you so much for talking about community. The eighth value, final value of We Are For Good is that community is everything. And I just would love to hear maybe a story um, about how you've witnessed the power of community at a place at the table. Sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could tell you a hundred stories um, really. And it's, it's the best part about what we do. Um, quickly, I want to say, cause we were talking about John earlier, you know, John was my inspiration to starting table and you, John, you said that <laughs> you were like, and I know John is so proud of this, you know, the whole concept of a place table. So uh, full circle, John was on the streets and has never, has never been to table, right? Has never been to a place at the table in downtown Raleigh, but he was on the streets temporarily. He was experiencing homelessness. So he ends up get kind of, you know, we, we were eating together. We were hanging together. He eventually gets on his feet and he moves back home to New York. Um, I get a call a couple months ago from, and we stayed in touch over the years. He followed the, a place at the table journey, kn- knows I use him in my Ted talk and all my stories. And he, um, I get a call from a shelter in downtown Manhattan, a men's shelter. And they go, hey, I just, um, I, I, you're, you're listed as a reference for John. Um, just, you know, he's applied as the outreach coordinator for this downtown Manhattan shelter. What could you provide a recommendation for him? And I like bawling. And so then I tell the whole story and she starts bawling. So now John is an outreach coordinator in downtown for a men's shelter back on his feet doing great. So Um, And I think that's the thing. That's like the power of community that does. Folks experiencing homelessness, a lot of them are lacking relationships in community. Um, So if you if you provide a place where people um, can be loved and cared for and community is everything, um, then there's so much that can happen from there. But um, let me give one story. Um, And I think I mentioned him in my TED Talk, but I always mention him because it's been a story of transformation over the four years. And he loves that I mentioned this story. His name is Dino and he has been, he's been coming to our cafe since the very beginning. So January 8th, 2018 walks in the door, doesn't say a word, does not talk at all. Um, starts, you know, orders a waffle, points to the waffle, then does dishes for hours. Um, so then Dino, a couple months later starts, um, talking more and then you can't get him to stop. Okay. He's really a part of our community, just wants to do it all. Every volunteer part, talk to everyone, pandemic hits. So he goes away. We go and because because we close our doors and we go to all curbside. So we get a whole long soup kitchen line down the street. We we the soup kitchen closed. So we actually were that for a while, which was totally fine. But we lost our sense of community. We lost inside dining um, for about a year. So we don't see Dino at all. Okay. Then as soon as we open back inside seating, Dino shows up, eats his waffle, and starts volunteering again. Like nothing happened. Nothing. Oh and, and, and we're like, Dino, what's up? Oh, nothing. Just been, been good. How you been, Miss Maggie? Like, <laughs> right. So there's just, that is the, the power of community. He didn't care about the food. Yes. He's hungry. Very obvious, but he cares about the community. We also have a, we have a kid named Nick. And, and so, you know, talking about youth too, and, and teens, um, in, in Raleigh, we have several universities and, and, and of course high schools and, and younger, but our universities here, there's, um, one, one local university, 35% of students are food insecure. So we have a student that started. Yeah. 
So it's a pretty big problem. And I think if everyone looked at their universities and colleges in their areas, that they might see that be a similar, similar issue because, you know, it's really expensive. So do you choose to pay for school or do you choose to pay, put food on the table? And so we have a college student that started coming, coming to us and actually he ended up dropping out. Um, but but he comes every single day to us and he sits in the corner, drinks coffee, and it's his, it's his safe place. Um, he he walks in every morning um, and and we check in with him and he it's his safe place. So, you know, again, we don't ask a ton of questions unless you want to share. Um, but he it's his one place where he feels that he is welcome and he's young and he's lovely and so wonderful. And, and, and we then try to connect him to other services and he will at some point, at least right now, he knows that he has a community and that we are there for him. So beautiful. I mean, all your mm-hmm. stories are just, you can tell your heart is just so full from the people that have surrounded your this. Your energy, your joy, like oh, yeah. it just radiates. I would love to hear, you know, talk about, you know, the people that have made an investment in this too, because the listening audience today, a lot of us are nonprofit professionals. We're fundraisers. We're trying to bring dreams to life. What does it look like to really fund this dream and partner with the community to bring it all to life? Sure. Yeah. I was just listening to one of your latest podcasts about individual giving, and that is what it is. I, I The number one question I get every day is, what grants do y'all get? No, we don't get any grants. It is, it, and some do, but who has capacity to write all these grants? And I'm sure many people listening do, but I don't. There are people strong suits that do that for sure. And I am grateful for those people in my life. It's individuals. And that's been the story of this whole time. So our, our four years, so everyone always says, what were you doing from 2014 to 2018 until you opened? And they say, so you were fundraising, right? And I always say, no, we were friend raising. It's, it's what table is. It is friend raising. It's bringing friends literally to the table. Um, so building friends along the way, building relationships, building that community that we've already talked about. Um, that then made it happen and continue to make it happen. So it, we're lucky that 60% of our budget comes from generated cafe revenue. So we have that revenue stream, but 40% of it's fundraise and it's mostly individuals. It's mostly people that give $10 a month to people that give um, you know $10,000 a year. So um, individuals are the reason this happens and has happened and will continue to happen. I want you to talk about your dreams. What what do you see when you think about and project the future for a place at the table? Um, share that with us. I would love to know. For sure. Um, and, you know, I'll give another shout out to our staff. We treat our staff really well and we believe we should and will continue to. And if we're here for the next 100 years, great. But if we are here for the next two years and we've treated our staff well, um, then, then that's that's what we're going to do. Um, so, but with that, I really do think that, that we will be here because the community wants to support our staff. They want to support the mission that our staff gets to do every single day. Um, and the community has not let us down yet. So a lot of folks want us to go expand, open other places, the tables, they've seen this model that works. So we don't know for the place to franchise because these cafes come out of the community they are in. Yep. They they are they they work in the community they're in. So sure, I can go move to another place, but it would probably take me another four years to open and build that community and build yep. that team that made it happen. Because this is not a Maggie Kane thing. This is this is truly a Raleigh 
cafe. And so it, it, it took the whole community getting behind it. And so if, if we can find the person in, in, you know, New York city that, that is, it knows the politicians, knows the nonprofit people, knows the restaurateurs, that is really, that's really it. That's how it's going to happen. Um, and so we want to work with you. If there is someone out there that wants to open up a pay what you can cafe, call me, we will hand you the tools. I will sit on Zoom for hours with you. We want to help you because that's a dream. I would love to see one of these in every single city um, where no matter where you're traveling through, you could stop in and have a pay what you can meal. So that's really the dream. We don't know what we're doing next is table, but if we can help other cafes open and continue spreading this mission and model, then we're doing something right. You live community, you know, and I just, I love that you don't see walls. You want to see people impacted and that exudes through you are. So I hope some people call you. I hope lots of people, you know, that are looking for a place to pour in. What a cool thing. So, okay, Maggie, you see the power of philanthropy on the daily. We love hearing about the power of philanthropy, but we just, we really believe that the moments of philanthropy really can stick and change us as people. Is there a story you would lift from your life or journey? I love this. And I love that you asked this question. Yes, yes, yes. I am a strong believer that there is way too much money to go around. So we should not be competing. We should be sharing resources. We should be working together to make all these, all these things happen. All of our dreams happen, all of the, you know, to serve all the people possible um, and, and to, to build as much community as possible. I do want to share actually about one, we work very strongly and partner with an organization called Healing Transitions in Raleigh, um, North Carolina. Um, and it is a, a sober living facility. Um, they accept anyone and everyone. Um, they you know, no, no cost to you. Um, anyone struggling with addiction is welcome. And it's just a, it's an amazing organization. And so there was a guy um, that, that went through the program um, had it, had it been an alcoholic his whole life, but went through the program and um, picked up running. So running saved him, and he will say that that and healing transitions. So started a running program at the at the shelter, um, and and got many other men and women involved with it. And then he he went through the whole program, got back on his feet, and um, he started this fundraiser, annual fundraiser called the Oakwood 24. And so now every year, I think we're now five years in, um, a bunch of people go out and they run for 24 hours and they raise, they raise about $150,000. And so I've been fortunate to be a part of it for two years now. And I just feel honored to, to do that. And and so it is, it's a classic example of peer-to-peer fundraising, which everyone should be doing. And so it's really getting your friends to, to be involved in this and come out, support, run a couple hours, walk a couple hours, whatever fits you. It's just been such a game changer for our community and awesome to see every year we raise more and more money. Love that story so much. So as we're winding down, we want to know what is your one good thing? What is it? A piece of advice, maybe a life hack? What would you give to our community today, Maggie? Uh, Truly. Number one, ask for help, right? Ask for help. That's my piece of advice. Always be okay to ask for help and lean on your people. Lean on those people. People want to help people. You just got to ask. And if they say no, ask again. Again, table is the epitome, the definition of people coming together to make something happen um, because we ask for help. So ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And if they say no, ask again, then ask again, then ask again. (laughs) I think the second thing is to celebrate everything truly from your first check. Like if you're starting a nonprofit or you're starting a business, whatever it is, your first $5 investor, celebrate it. 
because I think we miss that those moments and, and life happens really quickly. And so I think, I do think celebrate everything has been something I have tried to live by because it makes life a little bit better. Attitude of gratitude is everything. I mean, this conversation has been so full hearted. I truly wish we were all just sharing a table right now together and enjoying the atmosphere you've created. But tell us how people can find us because we've got listeners all over the country. Drive over to Raleigh. If you're on the interstate, come on, just head over that direction. And how can they give? If somebody feels convicted, how can they make it a gift to this nonprofit and be a part of your mission anywhere in the world? Thank you. Yes. Um, TableRaleigh.org is our website. So check it out. Come see us in Raleigh. We're right in downtown Raleigh, right in the center of everything. So Raleigh's a really cool city. So make a make a visit out of it. Come eat with us. Come eat all of the carbs possible. And then you can see us on Instagram um, and you can see the carbs we post every day. <laughs> I, I just adore you. Your authentic, bubbly, optimistic self just makes me believe in the power of your mission. When you bake that in culturally, you talking about your staff deserve dignity just as much as the next person. Holy smokes. That is aspirational for us in not just nonprofit, in every business, in every group that we run. Thank the staff. Bring dignity to what you do. Maggie, thank you. We are just rooting for this incredible mission. And I just want to tell you, keep going. You are doing some really heart-powered work. And I we just think the world of you. Couldn't be cheering for you more. Oh, my gosh. Please come visit. On okay, the list, on the will. bucket list. <laughs> thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. One more thing, if you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.